you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm David Brody. It is Monday, February 22nd, 2021. And five years after being dissed by Republicans for a seat on the Supreme Court, Merrick Garland is back, this time to become the next Attorney General of the United States. His big Judiciary Committee hearing was today. He has a lot of questions to answer, from Hunter Biden to the Durham investigation, so much more. Also today, President Biden's march to a COVID-19 stimulus bill. Congress meeting today to iron out the details, and trust me, the devil is in those details. We're going to take a deeper dive. And how about this new book? <laughs> when Harry Became Sally, Oy. responding to the transgender moment. That's a pretty provocative title. Well, guess what? Amazon has eliminated it online. You can't find it anymore. Big Tech Strikes Again, the book's author, with us today. But first, the Merrick Garland hearing, let's be honest, he's going to be confirmed. He has the credentials, and Republicans stopped him once for the Supreme Court five years ago. So look, folks, they're not going to stop him again. Still, he was asked quite a few tough questions about issues that are going to rise at the Justice Department. So here's a smorgasbord. I love that word. It reminds me of food, so I love it. Here's a smorgasbord of what he said today, including his major promise to lawmakers. If confirmed, I will supervise the prosecution of white supremacists and others who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, a heinous attack that sought to disrupt a cornerstone of our democracy, the peaceful transfer of power to a newly elected government. Uh, the, the Horowitz report, do you think Jim Comey was a good FBI director? Senator, I, I really don't want to get into uh, uh, analyzing any of the previous uh, well, directors. Well, you know, you've been very critical and appropriately so at times. I just find it pretty stunning that you can't say, uh, <clears throat> in my view, that he was a terrible FBI director. But If confirmed, would you commit to publicly releasing Special Counsel Durham's report just like Mueller's report was made public? So, Senator, I'm a, I am a great believer in transparency. Um, I would, though, have to talk with Mr. Durham and, and understand uh, the nature of uh, what he's been doing and the nature of the report. But I am um, a big, uh, um, uh, very much committed uh, to transparency and to explaining Justice Department decision-making. Have you discussed this Hunter Biden case with the president or anyone else? I have not. The president made abundantly clear uh, in every public statement before and after my nomination that uh, decisions about investigations and prosecutions will be left to the Justice Department. That was the uh, reason that I was willing to uh, take on this job. And um, um, so the answer to your question is no. So more on the Merrick Garland hearing by going to our website, justthenews.com. All right, now to the story of how big tech has struck yet again. In today's America, let's be real. 
If you think God created just male and female, then folks, you're going to be considered old-fashioned and a hater, too. Of course, you would be correct that God did create males and females only, but liberals don't want facts to get in the way of their world of insanity. Anyhow, our next guest literally had his book removed from Amazon. It's called When Harry Became Sally, Responding to the Transgender Moments. Sorry, that's too much for Amazon to handle, apparently. I want to bring in the book's author, Ryan T. Anderson. He's president of the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Ryan, appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Happy to be with you, although next time under different circumstances, we can hope. Well, we can only hope. Uh, I want you to take us through exactly what happened here. T take us through it. Sure. So my book was published three years ago. It was on February 20th of 2018 that this book came out. Amazon sold it happily, made a bunch of money off of selling it for three years. And then yesterday, uh, someone notified me. They said, hey, I just went to buy your book on Amazon and it's no longer there. And so I thought, oh, there must be some mistake. So I go looking it up. It's not there. It's not in the Kindle store. It's no longer an Audible. The hardback is gone. The paperback is gone. Used copies of it. It's as if it never existed. Um, no notification from uh, Amazon. They didn't reach out to ask or, or to tell me you know, what had gone wrong as to why it was being disappeared. My publisher has reached out uh, to Amazon. No response back yet. Um, so it's unclear uh, what happened to the book. Uh, people are now telling me that it's no longer available at Apple. Uh, so I don't know if this is coordinated. I just, I really just don't know uh, what happened. The timing is suspicious because later this week, the House of Representatives is set to vote on a radical transgender bill that will modify the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to include fluid gender identities as protected classes under law. Um, yeah. So there's a lot yeah. going on right now. Well, and you're talking about the Equality Act, which I want to get to in just a moment. Uh, back to the book for a quick mo second. You've written other books. You have other books up there, right? I mean, those haven't been taken down, have they? Uh, at least not yet. Um, but you're right. I mean, I have uh, five books, four of which are still listed at, at Amazon. Um, you know, the titles had dealt with the same-sex marriage debate. They've dealt with religious liberty debates. They've dealt with discrimination debates. And this one deals with gender identity debates. Um, they're all pretty, you know, egghead scholarly books. If you look at the back cover, you know, who endorses them and blurbs them? It's a bunch of medical doctors and scientists, philosophers and theologians. Um, so it's not as if this is a um, uh, in any I, I don't even know what could be remotely objectionable about it except that it comes to politically incorrect conclusions. Right. Uh, uh, that's what I was about to say. So, so bottom line, it comes to that politically uh, incorrect conclusion, but it's laying out a scholarly uh, reason uh, for it, if you will, and apparently debate in America is no longer, no longer can happen. Well, because I don't think it's how you say it. I don't think it's how rigorously you argue and defend it. I don't think it's how charitably you present it. If you dissent from a new orthodoxy, uh, those in big government and in big business and big tech uh, will try to silence you. I, I think that's what we need to realize is that it, we have threats not only from big government, but also from big technology and big business. Uh, and we're seeing both of those threats right now. Right. You're, you wrote a, an opinion piece. I want, I want to put this up as we move past the book and into the Equality Act. You say 
Biden's Equality Act is a danger to women and conscience rights. I, I have to tell you, and just for our viewers and so they understand, this Equality Act that we're talking about, which I want you to explain here in a moment, but there's going to be a vote most likely in the House this week. Uh, they passed this before in the House. They're going to probably, I'm sure they'll pass it again. Uh, explain exactly what this does, uh, Ryan, and, and why, how, why it's dangerous. Sure. I mean, look, it's, it's great from a PR perspective, because who could be against equality, right. right? How are you gonna vote against an act called the equality? You're in favor of inequality, but don't let the PR branding um, confuse you. What this does is it adds ideological concepts, sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes in our federal civil rights law. It takes the civil rights law, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the law we passed to combat racism, and it says, if you believe that we are created male and female, and that male and female are created for each other, you will now be the legal equivalent of a racist. Mm. Uh, and then it just goes through. I mean, we can walk through what are all the consequences of that in terms of privacy, safety, actual equality, good medicine, good athletic competitions, religious liberty. I mean, the threats that this causes are, are too numerous to count. Yeah, because what, yeah. what you're saying is that from a legal description now, it would be codified into law is what you're talking about. So it would make it harder for someone to, uh, in essence, espouse Judeo-Christian beliefs in the business setting or in the educational setting or work setting, especially even from a private standpoint is what you're saying. Yes. I mean, so, so, so let me give you some examples. Yeah. Let's say you are a medical doctor and you, uh, you're a surgeon and you perform uh, mastectomies in the case of breast cancer you would now be guilty of discrimination on the basis of gender identity if you don't perform mastectomies on a high school girl who wants to identify as a boy. Mm. Uh, you would be guilty of discrimination if you um, are a high school principal and you have separate sports teams for boys and girls, but you don't allow high school boys who identify as girls to compete on the girls' sports teams, right? So, so it's not eliminating the uh, sexual binary. It's just saying you have to do sex on the basis of gender identity. Uh, so it's all based upon how you subjectively identify. That's now the protected class if this becomes a law. You know, this is fascinating to me because uh, let me think. Oh, that's right. The 1970s, the Equal Rights Amendment. I remember that. I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember that. And wait a minute. Where are all the feminists today, Ryan, uh, with the outcry about what this would do to, to women's sports, to, to your Title IX? I mean, I can just go down the list. I mean, it, it is radio silence. There's crickets. Well, I mean, what's interesting here is that there are feminists speaking out, uh, people like J.K. Rowling. And then you see the backlash, right? So yeah. you're exactly right that all of the mainstream feminist organizations have decided to go on board with transgender ideology. But some individual courageous, uh, courageous female thinkers like J.K. Rollins, like the leaders at the Women's Liberation Front, they're speaking out against this bill. They're saying that what it does is it elevates the rights of men who identify as women and it eliminates the rights of actual women. But the media doesn't want to give those feminists a platform, right? They, they just want to highlight uh, the progressives who are on board with intersectionality. Uh, and so actual feminists who think being a woman is a real embodied reality, not just a subjective identity, mm -hmm. they're also being deplatformed. And they use, you know, a pretty a nasty slur to attack them. They call them TERFs. 
Yeah. Uh, it's an acronym that stands for trans-exclusionary radical feminists as a way of dismissing them. Wow. And so I think it's important that we partner with those voices. Well, Ryan Anderson, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for exposing all of this. Uh, I say good luck with the book. Give us an update. I, we want to have you back for sure. I do so. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Ryan Anderson, uh, you know, trying to just uh, look, he's selling a book and it's a scholarly book. And Amazon says, no, sorry, we don't want any intellectual opinion that disagrees with us. We're big tech. Back in a moment with Roland Martin. Always a lively conversation when we come. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. The top uh, story today, uh, Merrick Garland, uh, about to be attorney general. You know he's going to be confirmed. This is a pretty much a slam dunk. I want to bring in Roland Martin, uh, host and managing editor of Roland Martin Unfiltered. Roland, always great to have you back on the show, sir. Glad to be here. Well, uh, look, you know this is a slam dunk with Merrick Garland because Republicans, they, they thwarted him. They, they did him bad five years ago, and they're not going to put up a fight this time around, right? Well, first of all, it's a little hard to deny the credentials right. uh, of Judge Merrick Garland, but absolutely what they did to him was an embarrassment with President Barack Obama. Uh, but it shows you uh, how Republicans will happily change the rules when it fits uh, their desire, which is why... Democrats should learn how to play hardball as well. Roland, let me turn to uh, how Joe Biden has started out these first 100 days, especially as it relates to minorities. How do you think he's doing uh, on that front? And I know that's such a broad brush, but, but you know, we knew about Barack Obama for eight years, and I know there were some concerns about uh, what, what he brought to the table and what he didn't bring to the table. Where do you think Joe Biden is now, and uh, how is he doing so far? Well, first of all, it's way too early. I, I'm not one of these right. people who gets all excited uh, and hyped about the first hundred days. To me, that's just it. Just it's just utterly ridiculous. But the bottom line is, uh, the, the decision that they announced today is critically important, uh, and that is uh, a, companies that are 20 employees or fewer to be over the next two weeks to be able uh, to uh, go after PPP loans. That's critically important uh, because uh, prior to COVID, there were 2.6 million black-owned businesses. 2.5 million had one employee, and many of them were unable to qualify uh, for those PPP loans. And so th that's an important uh, issue right there. You look at uh, the executive order targeting anti-discrimination against Asians, critically important. We also talk about what he has laid out when it comes to race equity. That's also important. Uh, but the question now is, uh, will he use the power of the, of, of the, of the bully pulpit uh, to challenge Democrats to get rid of the filibuster to, p to pass the George Floyd Justice Act to uh, really strengthen the John Lewis Voting Act uh, to counter what we're seeing by Republicans in states all across this country. They literally are planning a massive assault on voting, massive voter suppression, trying to change the rules because they're angry uh, that they lost. We're seeing it in Georgia, in Iowa, in Pennsylvania, in Florida, all over the country. Uh, and so they certainly can't win uh, with the ideas. So therefore, they got to win by cheating. 
But Roland, real quick, before I, I was going to get to some more of the, some minority issues, but I have to ask you about the, the what you mentioned voting. He, here's the deal. They just want to see absentee voting pretty much the way it was. The, 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 you know, this idea that in like no. in Nevada, well, hang on, no. in Nevada where you're mailing ballots to people's homes, that's a whole, whole different than absentee voting. No, no, here's the it whole is, deal. Though. No, what they want is, no, historically, Republicans have done better than Democrats with absentee voting, historically, right. okay? Right. What they're angry about is that black folks and Latinos actually embrace absentee voting and numbers shut up in dramatic efforts. They also want to now limit just one drop box per county. No, 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 no. We know exactly what this is. They Republicans do not want significant uh, voting opportunities in this country. They, they, it has been their strategy. They have met with their experts, folks at the Heritage Fund, uh, Foundation, Von, Pat, Von Spansky, the other, the other guy who, uh, who died where his daughter turned his computer. They are all about how do we narrow the window that actually makes it better for our people to vote. That's why. Here's right, the well, deal, okay? Yeah. You can't tell me, you can't tell me they want lots of down ballot races, okay, in 2020. But they lost Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Georgia. Now, oh, let's change everything because you won or did you lose the White House? Yeah, well, what is it? Yeah, there, there's a lot of reasons we can get into. I will bring you on next time for that. And we need to talk about voter ID and all that type of stuff. But but listen, let, let me go on yeah, to well, something. Well, I'll be happy to talk about voter ID. I know because, you Because, again, that's even a shame with them because voter fraud is barely exists in this country. But they swear it's this massive uh, issue. Uh, right. No, it's not. Roland, I want to move on to Joe Biden, what he said in the town hall about a week ago. What was up with this? It was regarding minorities and the Internet. And come on, I'm, let me play it. You, you know the deal. Here, let me play it. Sure, play it. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use, know how to get online. Now, what? What? P people in the inner cities don't know how to go online? What kind of David, trope is David, David. What, hey, what kind no, of trope is that? What, David, what, he's not, David, David, he's not lying. David, he's not lying. Follow me here, okay? Follow me here. This is the issue that we have right now in this country. The governor of California just talked about this very issue. I am dealing with this specifically with states right now. Mm -hmm. I am hearing it from doctors in Virginia, from folks in Texas, folks in Georgia. The problem of being able uh, to get COVID-19 vaccine to black and brown communities. Why is that? Because the system that we have set up is all about getting online. We know that older African-Americans are not as... Uh, astute in terms of getting online as others. That's what he's talking about there, okay? Numbers don't lie. We have mm -hmm. issues right now in rural America when it comes to people getting online. Not just that, we've had people in the inner city who have been complaining about their children going to school online. They complained so much they forced Comcast but to increase rolling, the speeds because it wasn't keeping up. Rolling, so, that's so first of all, what? Roland, that's fine if you want to make the argument that that is accurate. But if, if a Donald Trump said that, come on, you would be on him no, David, like David. day no, and no, night David, day. it's called facts. David, David, let me help you out here. I've run three black newspapers, a national black magazine, a black website, okay? Right. I target African Americans now. Multiple black cable networks. I think I pretty know black, I know black people real well. Right. One of the fundamental issues that he's talking about is access. That's what I he's you. talking about. 
and we have that issue in this country. So let's not deny the reality of the access. That, Rural America, whether you're black or white, has been complaining about internet access. That's fine. That's the whole deal. That, that, so, that, so I can listen to what he said and go, I know what he's talking about. Not, oh my God, our people can't, they don't know what they're doing. Just the I know, but I know I'm, what he's Ro talking about. Roland, I understand that, but I'm saying that if it was said by a white Republican politician, especially Donald Trump, there would not be the same grace for that. There wouldn't. You know no. there would not. Well, hey, 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 Republicans cannot have any conversation with me about grace when mm -hmm. you have people who defended the insurrection. The point is this here. If you understand the context yeah, of the question, if you understand the context of the question right. and the answer, I got it's easy to understand. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I'm listening to it. I'm kind of like, yeah, I have a digital show right. for my younger audience. It's going to teach their parents and their grandparents who want to watch me how to watch me online. All right. I experience with my own show. Roland, I hear you. You know I could talk with you all day long. You're great. We love you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, bye. All right, Roland Martin. Uh, back in a moment with a lot more show, including the former communication director for Nancy Pelosi, Brendan Daly, will be with us back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, big story today is we've been talking about Merrick Garland, uh, the future, let's be honest, the future Attorney General of the United States. He's going to get through. Uh, we want to talk about that, the COVID-19 relief bill, and unity when it comes to Joe Biden and his administration. Let's talk about it all with Brendan Daly, the former communication director for Speaker Pelosi. Uh, Brendan, always great to have you back on the show, sir. Thanks. Thanks for having me, David. I always uh, enjoy being here. Well, Brendan, I want to ask you about Merrick Garland. Uh, you know, obviously, he's hearing today. I mean, Republicans are not going to get in his way. They, they, they've been there, done that, if you will, uh, five years ago. Uh, what's your, what's your sense of how this is going for Merrick Garland today, and and uh, and and how he moves forward as as AG here? Well, I think you're right. I mean, it's sort of uh, kind of you know, somewhat poetic justice. He finally gets his hearing after five years. Of course, it's for attorney general rather than for a Supreme Court justice. But that's a very important job. And I think what he has said and what the president has said is that he wants to restore impartiality to the attorney general's office and to the Justice Department so that we don't have this kind of political posturing that we had under the Trump administration. And he's going to call him as he sees him. He's a straight shooter. And as you said, he has strong support, I think, from both parties. And, you know, he's going to call him as, uh, as he should. Just, you know, this is the facts and let's go where the facts lead you. You know, one person that calls it as she sees it is Nancy Pelosi, your former boss, for sure. I mean, uh, I, I want to play uh, a soundbite from her from last week from her press conference. She talked, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about unity, but she has some tough words for Republicans. And I, I want to get your reaction to this, uh, Brendan. Here, here it is. Sure. That just a fraction of the education funding in the COVID bill is just allocated for this year and much of it over the next 10 years. So how do you square that with the need to open schools with the funding if some of so much of it is well, I, down the road? I uh, don't place too much weight on uh, what the Republicans say, even though it seems to be a value to you to use as a question. But the fact is, is that this is the money that is. 
so she's, she goes on to talk about money for COVID in schools. But she was talking about she doesn't put much uh, uh, stock in what Republicans have to say. I, you know, I just wonder if that's, you know, the tone that should be coming from her and some of the Democrats. I mean, because there has been talk about unity, and that's not necessarily serving any good, useful purpose, I would think. No, I hear you on that. I think she was probably, I don't know the whole context of that, but I know she's been somewhat frustrated by Republicans blocking certain things. And, you know, it looks like for the most part, almost all of them will vote against this COVID relief bill, despite it having overwhelming bipartisan majority in the country, including more than 50% of Republicans actually support this bill. So I think she's frustrated that she doesn't seem to see any support from the, on the House side in particular. We hope on the Senate side there will be some. Um, there was, you know, a meeting that was had originally uh, with uh, with President Biden and Senator Collins and Senator Romney and some other, uh, you know, centrists. Uh, so I hopeful some of them will come on board. But um, I think she was just frustrated by that. So that, you know, I, I understand what your your point is, David. But I think you you can understand her frustration. If you look at yesterday, Steve Scalise, the number two Republican in the House, goes on TV on the ABC, um, you know, Sunday show, and basically repeats the big lie that the election was stolen, that, that somehow the states did, did something wrong in, in the balloting, when every independent observer and the courts have all said there was not widespread fraud. And yet he refuses to admit that. And I think there's some frustration among her and some other Democrats that the Republicans kind of have to, that's a basic step. You've got to acknowledge the election wasn't a fraud, that Joe Biden is a legitimate president. And then also on policy, Try to be somewhat supportive. You can make changes. You can you can add different things. I mean, Senator Romney has a proposal on child poverty, which I think is very interesting and I think you know productive. There are things like that that can be done. Um, but if you just block everything, then I think it can be frustrating. And that was just a moment of frustration. Sure, but Brendan, uh, we can have you back on to talk about the the 2020 election some other time. But just real quick, you mentioned that you know, there are tens of millions of people that do believe this, quote, election was stolen. And then at the minute you say that, especially big tech is, is, is pretty much saying the minute you say that, uh, you're going to be you're going to be out. I mean, you're going to your platform, you're going to be, be deplatformed or something along those lines. I mean, th that's kind of a disservice to tens of millions of people that can have an opinion. I mean, I mean, well, they certainly can have their opinion, but but that but they're, they're, I guess let my me saying, just go ahead. Yeah, they have their have opinion it. because the president and many members of Congress, um, both the House and the Senate, supported it and said they were that it was a, a stolen election and that you know they repeated this big lie again and again and again. And we saw that culminated obviously in the the January 6th insurrection. But I think the fact is that whether people believe it or not, it's it's not the truth. The truth is that it was not a stolen election. And the more we need Republican leaders to join in the effort, and, and you know, I have my, certainly my complaints about Senator McConnell. There's no question about that. But he's been out there aggressively saying it wasn't stolen. Biden is the legitimate president. And what Trump did on, on January 6th really led to that insurrection. I think those are some basic facts that well, we as a country should agree on, and then we could move forward. Yeah, and it's I, hard to be unified if people aren't going to agree on basic set of facts. Well, we, we can probably bring you back on to have a more uh, robust conversation about that, because I think a lot of people, when they talk about stolen, what, part of what they're talking about is what happened before the election, that a lot of these laws, from a constitutional standpoint, weren't done the, the proper way, and uh, and the, the the rules of the game were changed, uh, you know, just months before an election. But we, we can talk well, about another. Go, yeah, go I mean, that was because we had a pandemic and people wanted to vote by mail, but well, we certainly can talk more about that as much as you want. All right, fair enough. Uh, uh, just a couple minutes left or a little less. Uh, you, you've been there in Congress and you see Nancy Pelosi do the work that she does. And I'm wondering about how she 
uh, works this COVID-19 bill. It's a very narrow path for her. She's got a five or six, what, seat majority or so uh, there. Right. So she's got to be careful. How, how does she maneuver to make the bill large enough for some of the progressives out there, but maybe not too large to the point where she'll lose some moderates uh, or at least center-left folks? Uh, it's a very, very delicate balancing act. How does she go about something like that, Brandon? Well, I think that's exactly right. You've, you've laid out the kind of stakes of it ex exactly correctly because she does have to balance this. And, and when I was there, we had to do that on health care. We had to do that on a big cap-and-trade environmental bill that was very difficult to pass because you had Democrats and coal-producing uh, states as well as in Michigan, you know, an auto-producing state where there was a lot of concern about that. So she had to kind of balance there with the left who really wanted to do a lot more on climate change. And here it is. 12 years later, and we still have to address that issue, which is a, a huge topic, and we can talk at another day. But you are right. I think what she's good at is listening to all sides of the party. And she is a progressive, so they, she has credibility with the progressives. But the, the moderates understand she knows that they have to, very tough elections and that they certain things that they can't vote for, and she's not going to put them in a position to vote for bills that are going to be really difficult for them politically. So yeah. she is very good at balancing that and, and figuring that out. And really, she does that by talking to them individually. She has more meetings with individual members than anybody I've ever seen in my life. So yeah. she talks to them and finds out what their concerns are and how can we address them. Brennan Daly, great to have you with us. Always appreciate your insight and, and a great perspective. Thank you, sir. Thank you, David. All right, all the best. Uh, you know, that's what we do here at uh, The Water Cooler. We are news with a smile. In other words, you can bring on people that might disagree with you ideologically, politically. That's okay. We do it with a smile. We don't demonize here at The Water Cooler. We want to hear both sides. We're back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back to the water cooler. I'm Bernie Sanders. Forget about it. Budget reconciliation, progressiveness, socialism. Actually, it's not Bernie Sanders. It's me. David Brody, hello, I'm back. Bernie trying to co-opt the show, but he's not going to be able to do it. Even though we're talking about the COVID-19 stimulus bill, which Bernie would love to talk about, but we'll have to get Bernie on another show sometime soon, sometime between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. I hope you'll tune in. Uh, let's bring in Nick Ballacy, shall we? Uh, senior correspondent uh, with Just the News. He's not Nick Ballacy Senior. He's senior correspondent with Just the News, if I get that correct. Is that right, Nick? Just confirming. That's correct, and I did like that Bernie impression, I have to say. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm channeling my inner New York. We went from 80 years old as the host of the show to about, well, I don't want to reveal my age. I'm a little little younger than him. So, Nick, uh, where are we on these budget talks exactly? The budget committee, I, I know they're, they're, ba they're back looking at this, and uh, it seems like the devil's in the details here with emphasis on the devil. Yes, it is in the details. Right now, one of the biggest stories we're following related to this stimulus package, which is $1.9 trillion, is the gradual $15 minimum wage that the Democrats have tucked into the bill. Now, there's some controversy surrounding it, though, because is it able to go through with budget reconciliation? That's the question, because there's some debate around whether it qualifies for reconciliation and the Byrd rule specifically. Sanders seems to think that it does qualify to the point where 
He's been making statements saying that he, he's confident that the parliamentarian will rule in favor of keeping the minimum wage in the legislation, the minimum wage hike. Some are looking at that as possible pressure on the parliamentarian to rule in favor of Sanders and the Democrats. Others are looking at it as, well, it's Bernie's prediction that it will be ultimately in the final version of the bill that they vote on. Now, this bill will go through without Republican votes if they're able to get it through with budget reconciliation. The question is whether this minimum wage will be tied to it. There's also some debate over whether Biden would support possibly lowering the price tag of it. He seems to be open to it, but are Democrats in Congress willing to bring the price tag tag down a little bit? We'll, we'll have to see. It remains to be seen whether they go down that route or not. So, so Nick, so just so we, we're clear with everybody, or everybody's clear out there with the Byrd rule, we're talking about Robert Byrd, a former, obviously, iconic Democrat senator uh, from years past for decades in the Senate. And that's why they call it the Byrd rule. Um, and, and the purpose, though, is also specifically not to have anything extemporaneous that would affect the budget. Uh, and, and so, wait, let me think for a second. The minimum wage is something extemporaneous that would affect the budget. How, how in the world would a parliamentarian not see that exactly? It's a great question. I mean, it's definitely not clear cut here. I mean, right. I think the White House is preparing for the possibility that this minimum wage is not included because Biden has made some comments about, hey, look, it may if we don't get it done, we don't get it done this time in this bill. So I think they're kind of preparing for the possibility that it will be excluded. Mm -hmm. Sanders seems to think that it qualifies. He's mm -hmm. stepping up the pressure. So we'll have to see uh, what happens here on that. But there is some debate, too, about the amount of state and local aid in the bill. It's over $350 billion for states and local governments. But Republicans, in a way, I've talked to a lot of them who say we really don't really we really don't have a say right now because if they go through with this, uh, you know, they, they can get through the bill without Republican votes. So let's uh, think about this from a House standpoint and a Senate standpoint. Every time we talk about reconciliation, and I understand there's a House role in reconciliation because it starts there, but the, the, the procedure, the rule, the bird rule is a Senate rule. So in the House, you've got Nancy Pelosi, who's got, what, a five or six seat or so majority, I think, exactly. Uh, so she's got to be very careful that this bill uh, gets enough Democrats but doesn't alienate uh, some Democrats who might want a larger bill or some who want a smaller bill. She She's got a tough needle to kind of sift through here. That's a good point. Right now, they've been following the blueprint that was laid out from the Biden administration on the coronavirus relief package, keeping it within that $1.9 trillion price tag that they put on it initially. And so all the committees in the House were drafting legislation based on that. And they did get the gradual minimum wage in there, one of the committees overseeing it. Mm -hmm. So the question is, will the parliamentarian, you know, uphold that or not? We're following it closely at justthenews.com to see, you know, when that decision uh, will come down the pike. It should be very soon. Nick, you have uh, covered, obviously, Capitol Hill for a while now, a long time. Um, what's your sense about the wiggle room here, the middle ground? You know, we, we know about those Republicans, the Lisa Murkowskis and the Mitt Romneys and others of the world that went into the White House, what was it, about a month ago, three weeks ago or so, and wanted $600 billion in terms of their starting point. And then you have the $1.9 trillion. I mean, the last time, if I'm a quick, uh, doing quick math uh, here, that comes to about 1.2 right in the middle. Why in the world? I've never understood why Democrats just don't, don't take the 1.2. I get it. I, I, I know they got a progressive caucus and they think they have a mandate and they want to do the whole enchilada. 
but you got a 1.2 million deal most likely somewhere in the middle sitting there to be had. I, I still don't understand why this isn't easy pickings at this point. Yeah, I think your question goes right to the message of unity that Biden had yeah. in his inaugural address. This is the first major piece of legislation that the Democrats are going to, going to push to his desk. And the question is, does he want to just ignore what you just laid out there, the bipartisan call for something a little more measured, a little more targeted, and just do what the Democrats in Congress want? Or does he want to set the tone Hey, I'm I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle here. I'll listen to the bipartisan group here. I'll listen to Republicans, and I'm open to it. He did take that meeting recently, but uh, with the Republican senators, uh, the working group, trying to you know get a smaller package done, or not even I mean, we're saying small, right? I mean, yeah. 1.2 trillion is is a is a big number. But yeah, so we'll see. I mean, if he wants to stick with the message of unity, or is he going to just kind of do what the Democrats want as the first major piece of legislation out of the gate here in his administration. We're just going to have to see where he goes. Nick, as we wrap up here, I'm just curious, where do you think some of the wiggle room is in this budget or this this, this bill? Uh, you've got $350 billion for state and local governments. That I know Republicans don't want it. I mean, they want a lower number here. Is that is that where the, the wiggle room is going to be? I think that's one of the uh, key spots in the bill that we have to watch in terms of whether they roll it back a little bit. We'll have mm -hmm. to see. It seems like the stimulus checks are going to stay where they are. Mm -hmm. And maybe mm -hmm. there are some other areas when it comes to funding for public schools or other uh, areas where they already have unspent money yeah. from the last legislation. Those areas, Republicans might want to roll it back a little bit. We'll have to see. Nick Ballacy, always great to see you, sir. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Sorry, Bernie couldn't be here for the interview. We'll get him back. Don't worry. All right. When we come back, the last sip. We always like to have a little fun and a little newsy fun. And you know what the newsy fun to, uh, on the last sip is going to be about? I got two words for you. Ready? Muppets and censure. Cancel culture. Got the Muppets. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for, I always have to find it, the last sip. Cha-ching. Uh, you know what? Let's start the last sip off with this. The poll of the day. The water cooler poll of the day. That's such 1974 music. I love that. All right, here is the poll of the day. Has China cooperated with international authorities, <laughs> excuse me, I'm starting to laugh, and provided all relevant information concerning the origin of the coronavirus? Or has China refused to provide information and access to cover up its own role in the origin of the pandemic? Well, <laughs> I kid you not, folks, 11% believe that China has cooperated. Really? Sorry, this is like my editorial uh, portion of reading the poll. 55% uh, have, uh, say, China's refused information and access. Now, that's more like it. And 34% say not sure. What are they doing? Are they watching uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians? They're clearly not keeping up with the news. Anyhow, there you go. That is the poll 
of the day. And by the way, while we're in the last sip, can we talk about something that has nothing to do with China? But I can tell you this, uh, China does a lot of censoring, so does big tech. And guess what? That means cancel culture. And guess what? That means, wait for it, the Muppets, they're not, gonna, they're not getting canceled, but take a look at this, folks. They've got the Disney Plus disclaimer on these new Muppet episodes that are on Disney Plus now. This is what happens when you put up a Muppets. That's right, the G-rated Muppets. This is what it says. This is unbelievable. Uh, let, me, let me read this to you here. This program, this is what it says. This program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people and cult or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. Disney is committed to blah, 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 creating stories with blah, 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 inspirational, aspirational themes, blah, 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 that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience, blah, 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 around the blah, blah, blah globe. Look, here's the thing. Disney Plus, okay? It's the freaking Muppets. Did I say freaking? My bad. I'm sorry. Hold on. It's the Muppets. Why are we putting a disclaimer on, wait for it, the Muppets? They're G-rated. What do you have against Grover? All right, Bernie and Ernie, it's a whole different story. We can talk about that. The point simply is, is that the Muppets, there's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong whatsoever. But apparently, I don't know, there was some stuff going on with Johnny Cash in one of the episodes on the Muppets. They had issues. Ridiculous. I need something else in the mug. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Time for the well, time for the end of the show, which is here because it is the end of the show. And and now I don't know what I'm talking about. Sophie, Sophie News, Sophie Man. Hi, Hello. David. How are you? I'm doing well, and it's, it's only tired. Monday. Yeah, it's, we've <laughs> got a full week to ramp it up. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Uh, so so the Biden administration kind of smooth sail, smooth sailing. Oh, but wait, Nidra mm -hmm. tandem. Nira Tanden. What did I just say? I Nidra? Don't know. I think you had your John Travolta at the Oscars moment. Go ahead. You just do your okay, thing. So I'll just Nira Tanden go ahead, I'm listening. Um, was one of Joe Biden's cabinet nominees, I yeah. think cabinet nominees, to run uh, the Office of Management and Budget. Yeah. That's a big job that you're managing a lot of people, and you really have a very close relationship with most of the politicians on the Hill and in the White House. So this is a significant position. Mm -hmm. um, most of Biden's uh, cabinet picks have sailed through pretty mm -hmm. cleanly. I mean, there have only really been six that have been confirmed yet, but we see today Merrick Garland is going to sail through his Judiciary Committee panel meeting. I mean, it's very much expected yeah. that he'll have a ton of bipartisan support. Um, but Neera Tandon was an issue because of her long, long history of unbelievably vitriolic rhetoric when Very it came long. to Republicans, but also Democrats. Mm -hmm. um, there was a quote by uh, Senator John Kennedy that I won't repeat on this family program. Thank you. But uh, he brought up some of the names that she had called Senator Bernie Sanders, um, with whom her politics effectively aligned mm -hmm. during her uh, 
Senate hearing. So what happened Friday was Senator Joe Manchin, our key swing voter yeah. of this administration, said that he signaled that he was not going to vote for her, mm -hmm. um, which means she would she would have needed the support of one Republican at least. So we look at our Republicans who have been voting with the Democrats. That's Mitt Romney, that's Susan Collins, and a couple mm -hmm. of others. Romney hasn't said anything, but Susan Collins came out this morning to say, Neera Tandon is neither qualified nor the right temperamental fit for this job. Mm -hmm. She has a long history of engaging really negatively and nastily publicly with um, certain politicians. Yeah. And this is not the type of unity that Biden proclaimed he wanted, nor is it the type of individual with whom we wish to work on the Hill. So it seems for now like her nomination has been tanked. Conservatives mm -hmm. are thinking of this as a big, big victory because this was one of uh, Joe Biden's furthest to the left picks mm -hmm. for his administration. Yes. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. So she comes up probably a vote short then, 49. We're thinking a vote short, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you. Near a I, I didn't mess it up, did I? No, 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 it was good. That was good. Because if I messed it up twice, that would have been really bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, Dave Bossy will be here, Tim Head, Nathan Gonzalez, Kristen Day. We've got a show. Let's do it now. See you tomorrow.